your dreams can be your reality. You all, time isn't real. Okay, that is fucking crazy. Spirituality, manifestation, travel, money, entrepreneurship. Welcome to In My Non-Expert Opinion. I'm your host, Chelsea Wright. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Woo! This episode is very juicy today. It's going to make you think, especially if you are a coach or in an industry adjacent to coaching or an influencer, you're definitely going to be reflecting a lot on this episode. When I was editing this, actually, I was like, you know, I do think a majority of people are going to agree with this, but like anything, there's probably also a few that won't. And it's basically a conversation of why are we on Instagram or what is the purpose? I sit down with my friend Serene and we have a very, and I mean very open and transparent conversation about this. And while we definitely double down on Instagram, I know this could also be specific to TikTok or Facebook or Twitter. So if you're listening to this and you're not even on Instagram, maybe swap the word Instagram out for social and it will make more sense to you. So why are we on social? specifically Instagram. Now, I know immediately some of you are like, well, business, duh. I use Instagram for my business. This is how I showcase my client wins. This is how I demonstrate my work. This is how I connect with people. It's purely for business. And some of you are thinking creativity. I love to create on Instagram. I actually love creating graphics. I love going live. I love being on video. So that self-expression and creativity piece is really actually fun for me. And maybe others are thinking connection. It's to stay in touch with people or see what everyone's up to. Maybe you're on it just to keep up with the news or pop culture trends and just seeing what's going on in the world. Now, personally, for me, I agree with all the above. And to be honest, I think that's why it started to become confusing for me. Am I on here to share my travels like I used to probably in 2015? Well, You have a business now, Chelsea. You're not just a traveler. You have a full-on business, so you need to go hard and promote your business. But wait, there's also a podcast involved here, and the podcast is very much an extension of me. So like, I don't know, maybe I should show more personal stuff like I do in the podcast? No, wait, but again, you have a business. You're launching something. You need to be promoting more. You need to show more graphics. You need to show the value of your program. You need to double down on launching and enrolling and stay focused on that type of content. But wait, this meme is really funny and I want to reshare it or make my own version of it. Oh shit, wait, I wonder if my ex's friends look at my stuff and maybe I need to look cuter than I am or maybe I need to look like I really am living my best life with inspirational photos and images and that I'm doing totally fine as if nothing ever happened. But you know what? I also kind of want to show my new nail art. That's pretty much what's going on inside my head. At least it has been the last three to four months. And that's why I've been pretty confused about my relationship to Instagram. I'm nowhere near as addicted as I used to be. But when I go to post, it just feels like a lot. And I actually do like Instagram stories because I feel like I can post all the different things that I want to. I can show you about travels and my business and a funny meme because it's all expiring. And to be honest, I feel like when I do all that, I'm like switching between different archetypes. It's like, here's my travel archetype. Here's my joker archetype. Here's the smart archetype. And so it's like, well, yeah, that all disappears in 24 hours. When it's in the feed, it's for some reason feels more permanent. And I feel like I've tied a lot of my identity into my feed. Like, oh shit, I am my feed. I am the person you're seeing on my feed. So I can't confuse people. I can't be posting all these different versions of me. That's confusing. People aren't going to get it. On top of that, with stories, there's just a lot to me lately that feels exhausting. Like creating a graphic, then uploading the graphic and grabbing my link to paste it in every single slide, then adding music that's trending, as well as a GIF, on top of all the other bells and whistles you can put in a story, now times that by however many slides you're posting, it feels kind of exhausting. And I know there's people listening, like, how does that feel exhausting? Well, that's not my nature. I like writing and I like speaking. And it's obviously so different than writing or speaking. When you're writing, you're pretty much brain dumping, and then you have the ability to go back and format it and edit it and stylize it a bit more. You have that opportunity to go back and edit. 
with speaking, it's the same thing with this podcast. I have the opportunity to actually speak and go back and edit or re-record. Graphic designing is not my forte. Trying to constantly entertain, inspire, educate, or inform 24-7 is not how I personally was built. I'm a human. I have sad days. I had a full-on mental breakdown two days ago and cried for two hours in the morning. I have a Cabo trip coming up where I'm going to go absolutely nuts and probably win a hula hoop contest by the pool. Those are two very different versions of me. And for some reason, I know I'm overthinking this, but it feels like I can't condense those into one and then try to put it on my feet. I know I've talked about this before. I definitely do not want to just fully delete my Instagram. I've met way too many cool people on the app to just completely ghost my profile. But I have been thinking about how to reframe my relationship to it. And maybe that does look like separating my business account from my personal one. Maybe I do need to stop caring so much about being cringy and do the comedic reels. Maybe I do need to plan my graphics out way in advance and schedule them in a platform that auto-publishes, which by the way, I barely do right now. So I'm here to tell you I don't have it figured out. And that's what today's podcast is about. My friend Serene Goodman and I sit down and we have a super open and transparent conversation about our thoughts on the app and how we use it and when it changed. We also talk about the bigger picture of marketing. Like when you have a personal brand, it's really hard not to make yourself the hero because you're the face of the brand. And in the world of coaching, especially, it seems like coaches are always the heroes. What about clients? What about their transformation? What about their progress? It seems a lot, and I used to do this, that we center ourselves because it's like, look, if I did it, you can too. Just follow my program and you'll be like me. I share personal stories of my own mistakes centering myself and all my work, and I'm going to be honest with you all, I still have to work on it. I got into the industry very quickly and I've had to course correct many, many times. I'm still finding my footing from diving in so quick. And I think this conversation with Serene will make us think twice about where we spend our energy, why reframing our relationship to social, and how to serve our clients better. I know this will spark a discussion, and honestly, I can't wait to hear your point of view. One of the reasons I haven't deactivated Instagram is the DM feature. I do love talking to you in the DMs, and I love hearing from you. So ironically enough, when this episode is over, feel free to DM me or email me info at chelsearife.com. And I want to know, what do you feel like coaches or influencers or people on social in general could improve upon? How do you feel about marketing on social or how do you feel about Instagram in general? I also can't wait for you to hear Serene's point of view because she's a certified experiential facilitator, shame shifter, storyteller, writer, culture critic, among many other things. She helps people accept the more uncomfortable parts of themselves by sharing the tools that helped her shift from shame. Shift from Shame, her brand, is inspired from the radical book club she started inside a California maximum security men's prison. It's a portal for discovering where shame is hiding and holding you back in life. She offers facilitation, courses, and a monthly book club. And y'all, buckle up. This episode is juicy, it's open, it's transparent, it's raw. And again, I want to add a disclaimer, there's no solution at the end. We share our tips and advice on how we're going to work on reframing our relationship to it, but it's not finite. I definitely don't have it figured out, and that's why I want to hear from you. So let me know what you think, and without further ado, let's dive into this week's conversation with Serene. Hello, everybody. I am currently with a beautiful friend of mine called Serene Goodman. And if you're hearing nature in the back, it's because I'm trying to be Oprah when she interviews guests in her backyard. So welcome, Serene, to the show. Do you feel like you're being interviewed by Oprah? Yeah, this is just the same. (laughs) Oh, my God. I can't believe I just asked if you think you're being interviewed by Oprah. I just meant, do you feel like the setting is is there? It feels very serene, if I might say so. I was like, it does feel serene. I love it. Well, just to give context to everybody listening, Serene and I met inside a membership called the North Node, which is run by Holisticism. If you listen to this podcast, you know I love them. And the founder of Holisticism has actually been on my podcast. So Serene and I are big fans of Holisticism. And we realized we do better work when we have someone to work with. 
which I found out is called body doubling. It just means you have someone on the other side of the screen or right next to you to get a task done that you just feel like you can't get done alone. So we gave it a shot once a week. And then we're like, we're actually really productive when we keep meeting. So I think we've met almost every day for like a month now, right? Yeah, every day. Yeah. And it's like, a, and then we realize like when we don't meet, we're like, oh gosh. I know when Austin, I was in Austin, it was hard to coordinate sometimes. And I was like, I'm not focused. I'm distracted. And I think it really is just because I know you're on the other side. It's like, well, I'm not going to sit here and twiddle my thumbs. I'm actually going to do something that needs to get done. And I think having you to talk about it with, like we set goals in the beginning, like this is what I'm working on. And then we check in at the end. So it's, it's nice. I just don't, I think that's a really underestimated thing that people might not take advantage of that they probably should. Yeah, it's like a really simple, it feels like a really simple solution to what can be a really complicated problem where you're trying to find all these, you're like, gosh, why can't I just get stuff done? Why am I not motivated? I should be self-disciplined. I should be able to do this. It's not that hard. And sometimes all you need is just someone on the other end. They don't even have to be doing the same thing. You just need a standing time with somebody and you can get a lot done. Oh, yeah. And for everybody that doesn't know the word body doubling, it's it's what I said, it's mirroring someone or having them next to you, but it's actually really helpful if you have ADD or ADHD and it just feels overwhelming to do a task. Um, I'm not personally diagnosed with ADHD. Who knows? Maybe I need to go get a test because sometimes I feel like I have it, but this is something if you're listening and you're like, wow, this sounds so simple. Let me try it. I am here and Serene's here to let you know it definitely works and we're getting a lot done. So yeah. That brings me to what we're talking about today is one of our projects we were working on together was our brand story. And we started getting into it. And then we started a discussion that wasn't really meant to be a discussion. I think we were just like, oh, that was an interesting video. We were watching a training video. And then it turned into like almost a two hour conversation on top of our co-working session. And then we spent four hours talking. And I was like, we need to do a podcast like this is just too much to like this needs to be on air. So um, let's talk about the brand story a little bit. It is basically the hero's journey, which is by Joseph Campbell, right? Yeah, I think so. And that's kind of um, just putting any context of your business in like, you know, or having your brand story. And I don't really know. I'm not like a business major or anything like that. So I don't know if... Um, that I think the hero's journey is just a different way of creating a brand story. And so that's the way that we were looking at it. And so as we're going through it, um, one of the central points is that you are not the hero. <laughs> like When you're creating this journey and you're looking at it and you're making your brand story, one of the like main points is that you put your client um, as the hero. And so we're like, okay, that's, that's a good place to start. Um, and one of the first questions for us that came up was like, okay, who's the villain? We're just like, oh gosh, um, <laughs> who is the villain? It is wild because then we were both like taking time to, to really consider who that is. And immediately my mind goes to a person like competition or a competitor in the market. And yes, there are people that do what I do, but I haven't even done enough research or considered them the villain I was like it just doesn't feel like it's a person it feels like something else and then what was yours like what were you coming up with oh well so yeah mine was confusing too because I well it wasn't it wasn't confusing but I made it confusing um because I was like gosh what is the villain like who is it is it a person again because I think when we when you see the word villain you just want to put a person in there Mm -hmm. um, and then for me, the funny realization, I was just like cracking up was because the villain is in the name of my business. So that was like, the oh really, my gosh, that was the <laughs> hilarious part. So my business name is shift from shame and shame is definitely the villain. And so for whatever reason, it's like, and maybe that's part of it too. We overcomplicate things, even when they're like, we've made them really clear for ourselves. So to actually like put it in that story was really helpful to like guide. Okay. What are we doing here? Um, and so, yeah, that was a funny one for me, for sure. And to clarify everyone, yeah, maybe earlier I said the brand story and I, th I think I meant the hero's journey. Did I say it wrong? Mm, I think we might have said both. Okay, well, we were doing the hero's journey is what it sounds like. It's someone that sets off on a journey, ends up facing a villain, overcomes them, becomes the hero. And you see this story play out all the time in movies, in novels, in brands. And we were doing it, like Serene said, in the context of our business. So 
I had a big light bulb moment. And I don't know if you had this moment either where I was like, oh my God, this is why I have been feeling so weird about posting lately because I feel like I was making myself a hero in a lot of my content. And I remember last year, I felt like this is unsustainable. I can't constantly be a source of inspiration and motivation and resource. Like I'm a human. I have shitty days. I went through a breakup. I went through depression. I deal with different things just like everyone else does. And they're constantly putting on this face of like, I'm a hero. I'm a hero. And it's like, that's not true. Like that's, there's other people in this story that are heroes. And I realized, oh my gosh, I need to do a better job of showcasing my clients' hero journeys and then it clicked of like, no wonder I feel such a disconnect posting on Instagram because I'm constantly trying to make myself the hero. Right. And I think, too, that was the other realization for us. And I've kind of always known this about my the work that I've done because it's kind of embedded in like my pedagogy of how I do things. But the idea that like when you have a client, you don't exactly you don't have answers for them. Right. We're just kind of creating a space for them. And like we help them along the way, especially with you as well, if you're a coach. Right. And so, cause you're not going to have a set rule of an- or a set of answers that works for everybody. So it's really, the idea is that they have all the answers themselves. And so within themselves, and we're just kind of helping them uncover it. And so we can't be the hero in that kind of a story. Like not they, at all. they have to be the hero because that's the point. It's that. And so I think with Instagram and that's kind of what we were talking about where it goes against that. It's kind of saying that like, we have all the answers. We're the ones with all the like knowledge and information and you have to come to me to get it. And it's like, oh my gosh, not only is that tiring, but it's also, it's a lie. (laughs) Yeah. It's actually making me think of my first course launch, which went really, really well. And I know it's because I was so excited about it and energetic and it was my first thing and I had my podcast for four years so people were already naturally ready to sign up but I remember towards the end I started using some scarcity marketing tactics that I was learning from my coach whereas like spots are limited pricing is increasing if you don't get in (laughs) right now you're missing out are you not ready to change your life where are you going to be in six months like it was like actually not okay bullying people into getting (laughs) going into your course I was looking at my emails and I'm like oh my I literally had goosebumps like cringing I'm like I cannot believe I sent these I was like I oh my god this is so embarrassing I've never even said this on the podcast but one of my lines was like that's why they call it a leap of faith not a baby step of faith you need to take the leap so embarrassed so anyways this is all saying that yeah I was really putting myself as the hero of like if you don't get into this program your life is not going to be great for the next six to 12 months and it's like yeah that worked people signed up but I remember in the middle of it feeling like I didn't like the way I felt towards that end of launch and I remember I actually dropped out of that coach's program and I had a conversation with her later on and I was like I don't appreciate the way you like are teaching us these tactics and I think you should learn about trauma-informed sales and da 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 and then I worked with a different coach who had me completely work on deconditioning that you have to do that and it made me realize that's also where I felt like oh my gosh yeah I was gatekeeping I was trying to be the hero you have to come to me for all the answers and that's not true right yeah totally the whole scarcity thing is huge also as if to say like that there's this only one you're gonna miss your chance like that that is like a problem in and of itself and I wonder too like it for you did it reflect how people kind of went through the program or maybe even just like where people were at in terms of being ready for the program like maybe they signed up but they really were not in a position to be doing it yet oh yeah I would say the first call I would say like 90% of the people showed up and then by call two and three it was like 50%. And then by the end, it was like three people were on the call and there, it was only six weeks. And so I was like, that's weird that 20 people signed up and now we're on call five or six and there's three or four people. They probably did not mean to sign up then they weren't ready, but I was like pushing them. Like you got to get in the door investments going up, prices increasing and they were signing up. And yeah, to your point, it didn't turn out to be quite honest. It also made me insecure because then I was like, I just made myself this big, bad hero. Now I have to over deliver. And I remember putting so much content into the course that people said, this is like overwhelming. Like we can't even get through the content. And I was right, thinking, like, it's too much. 
right oh well it's it's more value it's more value like you're getting 25 worksheets and 100 videos and all these things and people are just like i've learned later that's nervous system overload and that's not the way to deliver content um but it really did take that moment to step out of that um that program and be like i'm not the hero i don't need to position myself as this person on a pedestal that has every answer and again it kind of caused a little imposter syndrome where i was like i just made myself the hero and now i have to like show up as superwoman right and you're still trying to figure it out for yourself (laughs) yeah has that ever happened to you um or have you been in a program where that was like you can just tell the person's really being like highlighting themselves as the hero Well, I think for me, that kind of happens. I think it happens a lot because of just like, that's how we're, and I've done a lot of courses and stuff. And I, again, I don't think it's intentional with people. um, But that is kind of a lot of courses and a lot of like, I don't know, like spiritual, I always say woo woo, but um, like a lot of those courses I find, they don't feel, um, they don't feel experiential in the sense where it's like, you're kind of just like given a lot of information, which is great but never you're never really like going through it with anybody and so I think that's also the distinction what we're talking about as well with the body doubling where it's like okay cool so you like gave me all this information because you're like the source of it or you're like the expert but then I'm like well I kind of could have found that I really just need someone to like do it with me like (laughs) that's the that seems to be the part that's missing Mm. um And so that kind of feels more like what I encounter. Um, But always in my work, I started out doing um, my work in prison. And like one of our main things was always saying like, okay, we don't come with answers as a facilitator. You really show up to create space. And so I've always kind of tried to remember that. There's definitely been times where like we forget and you're like sharing all these stories about yourself and stuff. Um, but definitely trying to always remember that, like, okay, I only really have the answers for myself. And it's not to say that our experience isn't important. Of course it is. Right. But it's our experience. And so just making sure that when we talk about it, we're like stating that as such, not like, these are all the answers and this is what you should do. It's like, this is what happened to me. And this is one of the things that worked. You can, you know, take it or leave it, but. Yeah, that's so true about coaches and how they present themselves in courses as the hero. And they often continue to put themselves as the hero in every single program that they launch. So you're only seeing their results. And it makes me feel insecure because I'm comparing myself to them when they're actually four to five years ahead of me. And what would help is if they showed, no, here's a student that took my course and they were in year one of business and here are their results. Yes, maybe they didn't have a million dollar year, but they actually increased their income and were able to pay all their basic bills. That to me would be like, oh shit, then I I can be part of that journey too. But I think oftentimes it I feel now it's hard for me to invest in coaches programs where I only see their results. And I think this is just a good lesson if anyone's listening. And I had to do this too. We did this exercise where I was like, I've done kind of a bad job of explaining my clients' results. And it's always about me, me, me. We need to flip the script and make our clients the heroes. Well, I think also too, and this is like, because part of the problem, it's like, if, if I'm saying that as the person with a service, if I'm saying that I am the hero, I'm the solution then basically the message, which is like the message it's kind of giving is that my customer is a, is problematic or they're the problem, which of course they're not. And so if we're going into a course where I feel like there's something about me that needs to be fixed or, you know, I'm doing something wrong where it's like, if that's, if it's framed and that's the starting point, then that's like not really, it's kind of a shitty place to start. You don't really feel good when you're beginning a course thinking, oh, there's something within me that I need to fix as opposed to here's some things I can learn. Like, you might have the same like same way of looking at it or same uh, results, but like just looking at it differently can like totally change how you go into it and how you kind of view it. Also, if you are marketing that way, then as a coach, you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself to literally be like the catalyst of life transformation for that person right. because you've sold them such a big pitch. And that's really hard to keep up. Right. And I feel like that too, sometimes like that's, and that's kind of the reaction to a a lot of courses, right. Is, um, you do kind of get sold this thing. And then afterwards, especially because you only get information and I'm just like, where was the transformation? Like, did I miss that part of the course? Like, was I not paying attention enough? Was I, 
Like that seems to, and I don't know, that seems to happen to me a lot. (laughs) You know, what's interesting is what you just said earlier, the word experiential. I think that is one of the biggest pieces missing in courses, experiential and integration periods. And I remember showing up to courses, especially money mindset courses, where I saw all the results, everyone's all of a sudden six figure earners in a month. And I'm like, hell yeah. And I would get on the call or watch the video. And I was like, I don't like what's happening. Like, why am I not making all this money? Why am I not doing anything? And it was just overload. Like do these workbooks, do these things, but we weren't doing them together. We weren't making space and there was no one to talk to while I was doing the workbook. So then it just, it made me feel like, well, look, you're kind of an idiot. You can't figure this out. Guess you just can't figure the course out. Another course on the shelf that you can't finish and you didn't see that big transformation. Right. And another, another reason why I'm problematic. Right. (laughs) And then like, oh, I didn't do the work hard enough. I wasn't committed. I didn't carve out time to do the 45 page workbook every day. It's like, there should be space and programs for integration and application and space, even just talking. I think that's great. And you, we, we can both speak on this, but like, sometimes I feel like coaches think we always have to talk and talk and talk and especially me being a podcast host I'm like I love talking but sometimes it's like people just need a space they don't need you to talk they just need a space to talk to other people and that's really underrated yeah and that's kind of what it is that's what I was saying before it's like we create the container and so you want like which feels like it's like well gosh what are they even paying for like that's so easy but sometimes it's like that's that's what they need, right? We need like a little bit of a framework, but we also just need a space in which to figure it out, to go through it together. Like one of the things that we did, um, me and you, when we did our shadow work and we were, um, oh man, if you guys haven't done shadow work, it's a little hard sometimes, but recommend doing it with someone else. (laughs) And like, that's kind of to the point of it. It's like, there was this thing available for us to do shadow work. I had attempted it twice, could not get through it because I was just like, oh, this is hard. Or like, oh, I just no one to hold me accountable, but doing it with someone else, it's like there were parts that I couldn't figure out for myself, but having someone to reflect ideas back off of, it was like, oh, okay. I hadn't thought about it like that. And so that's like a huge part of it too. When you get to experience something with someone else, we don't necessarily experience things alone. And so that was like really helpful. Yeah. I think that was a good point you made too about someone saying, well, then why would anyone pay for this? Because that's what I thought. I was like, why would anyone pay to just come to a call where I'm like prompting them with one question and then they're just taking off for 60 minutes. But it's like a lot of people don't have the space in their day to do that. They don't want to set it up or they don't have a leader to coordinate it. They don't know how to coordinate it. So yeah, you are the leader. It doesn't mean you have to be the uh, gatekeeper of information and, you know, know every single answer. You're just holding that space. Yeah. I think that's a huge part of it. But it also like, as we're talking about this, it, I think this is the problem of, social media and Instagram is that we're constantly making ourselves the heroes on our feeds because what else would we do? It's like, it's our feed. It's our channel. I should be highlighting my success, my wins. So people, I build credibility. And again, that's really exhausting. And I think that's what got us on the whole tangent of we're like, why are we on Instagram? And I know for you, you actually don't spend a lot of time on Instagram. So can you walk me through your like Instagram journey? Yeah, well, let's just preface this by saying I do spend too much time on Instagram on my personal account because I'm still addicted. Um, But (laughs) I kind of in my business, I haven't posted in like a year because I kind of had this like realization and I didn't even post that much. There's like so few posts on my business Instagram because I wanted it. And I kind of was saying I was like, oh, like especially for me and like doing work around shame. One of the quotes I posted was shame dies when stories are told in safe places. And so I was like, yeah, like what I'm creating is a safe space. And then it was just occurred to me. I'm like, Instagram is not a safe place. No. So I was like, okay, even no matter what I do, like I could delete people's comments. I could do all these various things that I wanted to, to try and create an extension of my work on Instagram to like, you know, an extension of the safe space that I create. And then it was just like, but it's not like nothing about Instagram is safe. And so that's why I was like, I don't even want to be on it. I don't, I don't want to like have business on there. I don't want to interact with people on there because it's not actually what I want it to be. If I'm like, if I really believe in having a safe place, then I can't also be there and pretend that it is. So true. And I want to elaborate on that a little bit. Like for you, why doesn't it feel like a safe space? 
I think there's like so many reasons. Like on the one hand, there's, you know, obviously the ads are crazy. And so it just feels really weird to have some really like vulnerable and like these topics that are really important. And then the next thing you do is like you see an ad for something that's just like positioning the two of those together feels really problematic in a lot of ways. Um, Also, I don't know if this necessarily goes with safety, but just in general, the way that Instagram is profiting off of a lot of people's information and intellect when it's not really caretake, like it's not taken care of in that way because of all the ads and stuff. Um, yeah. And then just people, you know, you, there's no sense of accountability um, to like engage in things. Right. You can just, you can pretend to be somebody you can, I don't know. Like if I really think about it, I'm like, it all just feels like a lot of lies. <laughs> A whole lot of lies. What about someone that's listening that they are loving Instagram? They're thriving. They're like, Instagram is my shit. And they don't understand what is a safe space. Like if you're going to argue that email is a safe space or podcasting or a private community, why or how is that different from Instagram? Hmm, That's a good question. I mean, if you're someone and you're using Instagram and every single time that you use it and you interact with it, you feel great, then I don't know. I don't, I'm not going to take that away from somebody. That's You've figured it out and that's amazing. Um, but I would I f- maybe argue that I don't know of any people who always feel great using Instagram and it's like, you know, there's obviously a lot of positives with Instagram, but I just don't, I haven't met anyone who's like, it's been a completely positive experience. Um, and you know, that's, yeah. Yeah. I think the argument that I have is with email, someone has to, first of all, go in and opt into your email list. And then when you email them, you know, it's getting delivered at 1230 on Friday because you picked that delivery date. And so, you know, whoever's on your email list is going to see it at 1230 on Friday and you can look at the data and see what worked, what didn't open rates, et cetera. With Instagram, because of the algorithm changes, which by the way, don't you think it's weird that they're not super clear about every time the algorithm updates, providing a very clear statement of like, here are the five things that have updated. Here's how to use them. Here's how to optimize. Um, They've been doing that more. I know the CEO is telling you like, get on reels, do this, but they don't really explain why they do it so often. And I think we need to uncover that message is because they're trying to keep up with other platforms and make more money. And I know that sounds like, oh, conspiracy theory. Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) I'm like, guys, I used to work in social media for six years in influencer marketing. And we had to know all about the back end of Instagram to do paid ads. We had to understand that marketplace. It was I was literally trained in learning Instagram and social media. The reason they are constantly updating their algorithm is to keep you on, keep keep giving you dopamine hits because the more time you stay on, the more ads they can deliver and the more people and eyeballs they have on those ads, the more revenue they make. That is how Instagram makes money. We cannot ignore that. Not making this up. You can go Google it for yourself. So my whole argument with my email list is... I know who's seeing it. I don't have to guess, oh, which did this person see it? Is this person going to open it? Is this person going to, it's, it's very clear. No, the people that opted into my email list are going to get this email. And what happens on Instagram is then the shame spiral, which I know you talk about shame happens where you're like, oh my God, I made this beautiful Canva graphic. I put so much time into it. Like this is going to help so many people. And then you have 5,000 followers and 12 people like it. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, I I literally thought this was going to be the most transformative post I've ever posted. So then you go back to the drawing board, you create more graphics, more reels, you keep putting yourself out there. And let's say you do have something that goes viral. Okay, well, now what? It just kind of never stops. And I want to talk a little bit about that shame spiral. Right. And none of those are like, and that's the thing. I think you brought up a really good point with Instagram. And a lot of the reasons why it's not a safe space is because it's not transparent. And so they're not transparent about how they're doing things. And then you don't even really get the information. So like, to your point, you know, people spend so much time creating content on Instagram and then based off of nothing factual, but just our own perception of it, we make all these assumptions about ourselves and about our business and about what we're offering. And so, yeah, someone might spend all this time on something, they get two likes and they're like, oh gosh, it was shit. Nobody cares. Nobody likes it. Maybe no one saw it. Maybe you don't have the right followers. Like, 
it got lost in the sauce because people spend like what who knows how short of a second looking at something before they go on to the next there's like information overload like there'll be times where you're just like reading and that's the other thing too with like because so many businesses have got on instagram you're constantly reading all this information one post after another after another and it's like there's no time to just sit with it it's not like you read a post and then you're just like take pause and you're like okay let me figure out where i can apply this yeah you're not like well let me go journal about that for a second it's like horoscope spiritual code business advice friend on vacation friend getting married it's like bombarded and then then athletic greens ad It's like nonstop. Yeah, I think they are, I will give them credit where their CEO has been going live and sharing updates, but they, again, don't really do a good job of telling you how the algorithm works. For anybody that doesn't know, 10% of your audience, organic audience is who sees your content. So yeah, if you're like, why do I have 3000 followers and I'm getting 10 likes? It's that's not random. That's how the algorithm works. And they're trying to push you to use their new features. Because again, when you use their new features and you stay on longer, they can serve you more ads. And the more time you're on there, they make more money. Um, Also, when you guys see all these updates, I want you to remember part of it might be for user experience. And most of it is for giving you more dopamine hits. We all feel addicted because we're like, Who's messaging me? Did someone like it? Did my crush see that? Who looked at my story? Now there's a new update. People can like your story. I'm like, isn't that the same thing as an emoji reaction? And now I got a notification today. Now when you tag someone, it DMs them. Guys, this stuff is not random. They're not like, oh my God, what an amazing new feature. It's, oh, this will again show people, look who's thinking about me. I need to be on the app because I always want to feel connected and that people are thinking about me. I forget where, if I'm like, if it was in some sort of a podcast I was listening to, or if I read it, I forget, but they were talking about specifically the reason behind, because I'm sure everyone knows this. If you post like a picture, like a selfie, or at least something that's like very close to your face, it'll be seen the most by any of your other content. And um, I don't know like the sources on this, but supposedly that is related to, again, this idea of dopamine, where if they're putting that picture of your face in front of more people, you're bound to get more likes. And so then because you get more likes on a picture of yourself, you're supposedly going to feel better. And so then to your point, you stay on Instagram longer. And then the longer you're on Instagram, then you're, you get that like drop, right? So in addition to like being on there, you're like, Oh man, I'm kind of feeling sad. And that's where the ads come in where it's like, Oh, here's something to make you feel good about yourself. And so it's very much that again, that doesn't feel safe. No. And we all live in our own worlds on Instagram. I was just talking to someone about this. I've been really trying to follow more writers and authors and just understand their process. And I was saying how Colleen Hoover keeps popping up all over my Instagram. Everyone's reading her books. Everyone's stories like Colleen Hoover, Colleen Hoover. It's all over. And I was with someone's boyfriend and they were like, who the hell is that? Like, I'm not seeing that at all. I'm seeing way different stuff. And in my mind, I'm like, really? You're not seeing all these girls posts? And it's like, no, because the algorithm is trying to show him what he wants to see, which is not Colleen Hoover's novels. So that makes sense. Um, If you guys haven't watched The Social Network, I highly recommend you like pause and go watch this. It helps really zoom out of how this app works and how it's designed. Because again, I think sometimes we've we forget that it is a company that has to make money. And so it talks to investors. How do we make money? How do we keep sustaining? How do we innovate? And that app, that documentary, excuse me, does a really good job of showing how the constant updates are meant to just keep you on. Like you said, oh, I feel sad. Here's an ad. Right. Oh, look, um, someone you may know is around the corner ready to follow you. Do you want to follow them? It just keeps you engaged and it's not random. And that's the thing. It's like the bottom line is money, which, you know, and that's, then maybe someone would argue, well, isn't that the point of your email? And so, you know, I don't, it doesn't have to be because it's like, if you're not selling, if you're not sending emails where you're selling something every time and you're trying to stay engaged with your audience and it's not like, um, you know, like some fashion of a thing where you're getting 20 emails a day from the person. Like, Well, in the emails too, it's just a whole different user experience, right? Instagram is made to be shareable. You like something, you can immediately tag someone or share it off to like DM them email if I like it 
yes, I could screenshot it, but unless it's a long email, that's like, that's weird to screenshot a whole email. (laughs) Forwarding it to a friend is like weird. It's like, do you actually have your friend's email? It's just this different experience. So I do feel like it's a bit more contained in the audience it's getting served to. Well, and I think too, back to your like original point, it's very intentional, right? If I sign up for, with the exception of maybe those like when you're buying a shirt or something and then you accidentally start getting all their emails. But when you work with someone and you really like what they have to say and you sign up to your their emails, you want to know like what they're talking about. You want to stay engaged with them. And you most likely, you know, haven't signed up to like 3000 or maybe that's not how many people like follow, but like 400 different, you know, providers, you don't have that many emails coming in. So yeah, I think emails and I think podcasts also feel like a different experience because, again, someone has to opt in and people don't hate listen. Right. Like, I've never listened to a podcast and been like, ew, fuck this person, but let me listen to yeah. 60 <laughs> minutes of them talking. Also, let me go back and listen to all the episodes and, like, yeah. <laughs> exactly, which is why this whole thing got brought up. I know we're, we were going on an Instagram tangent here. And don't worry, we will talk about like we're not totally shitting on Instagram. I have made incredible connections on there. That's how usually I find clients. That's why I connect with people when I travel. So we will talk about that. But this, this whole thing got brought up because I was focused on how I'm going to message my podcast coaching. And so when we got to the villain part of the hero story, I was like, I think Instagram is my villain because people are trying to express themselves and be you know, who they think they need to be on Instagram, but they're feeling depleted because of the, oh, only three people liked it. I only got one DM, this and that. And then they're just going back to the drawing board, putting out more content, more content. It's like going up against a tidal wave with a boogie board. You're like, is this effort going to be manageable? And I was like, this is why I want to start telling people about the power of podcasting and the fact that we can have a nuanced 35 plus minute conversation about topics that we really want to talk about. So then that's when you and I got our wheels spinning of this whole Instagram conversation of like, this is actually who we're up against. It's not a competitor in the market. It's this app that's draining people's attention and energy. And honestly, their creative expression. And I think too, because it's like, again, if it's not, what is it based in? Like, what is the the value of it in? And so, and two, like to the other point, the way in which we interact with kind of Instagram, we were like joking about this, where if you find a podcast that you really like, like you'll go back and you'll start at the beginning and you will listen to all the episodes. Tell me if you've ever gone to someone's Instagram and scrolled all the way back to the very beginning of their page and been like, I'm ready to read 400 posts. Let me look at all their posts and read all the comments and all the like captions and just make sure that I catch up on everything. We don't even like, so as like people who are engaging with Instagram, we don't even value it. Like it's not actually something where we necessarily give it the amount of value because we it's it's so in the moment. It's just like, oh, I just need this hit. I just need this interaction right now. As opposed to, yeah, podcasts, like you'll go back and you'll listen to things over and over again. You'll listen to an episode multiple times. There's like exceptions where, yeah, you'll save a post on Instagram and you'll go back and look at it. But we're not like binging in that way where we were trying to get like more information from one specific person. Right. And the comparison, by the way, everyone, is not apples to apples, right? The way these things are designed is completely different. Like Instagram is meant to scroll quickly, quickly ingest information, swipe, 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 tap, tap, tap. Podcasting is not built that way. Podcasting is meant to be an audio experience. You can do other things while you're while you're actually listening to a podcast. It's a totally different ballgame. So we're not saying like pick Instagram or podcasting. It's more of like, what you just said, the intentionality. And this brings me to my point of this is why I was feeling so drained from Instagram. And I did a whole episode of like Instagram is making me feel boring because I feel like I have to fit in the box of what I market myself as. Interestingly enough, I had an old client reach out and she was like, oh my gosh, I wrote an article about this on the pandemic and I read it. And I'm actually going to link it in the show notes. It was so incredible. And she made a good point that because of our bios, you know, I am a mindset and podcast coach right. who helps you whatever through podcasting. We constantly think, well, I have to match that identity because if I'm not, it's going to confuse people. I can't all of a sudden be like traveling and showing you me snorkeling if I'm trying to 
get you to understand the power of podcasting and sign up for my course. Like those things don't correlate. So then you're like, well, I guess I can only show podcasting. But then I feel depleted because I'm like, that's not all of me. Like I have so many sides of me. And I'm curious with you and your relationship to Instagram. Like, have you felt like that? Like, this is just a place where I can only be a one-sided person. Oh my gosh, totally. I thought about that. I kind of had my little moment in, I think it was in 2020, where it was that realization where I was like, man, Instagram has really been this place where I'm trying to prove to like the world and maybe also myself that I live this like extraordinary life. And kind of for myself, the like realization was like, that's so tiring because like thinking about it and it obviously was, it, um, it came to me because I was living obviously like everyone else where I couldn't do a lot. (laughs) And so thinking about and reflecting on the fact that like, man, we'll spend a whole year just like grinding, working and just working towards like what two vacations a year or something. And then you like post these pictures and it's all like super exciting. And then it's like, man, that's what we're showing. And it's all based off of two weeks. Like what about all the ordinary things that we do? Like finding the joy in that. And so, and I feel like it's funny because Instagram, I don't know if you felt like this when it first came out, that's very much what it was. It was like, look at what I ate or like, look at this walk I went on. It was just like people really just sharing these like small little moments of their life and like connecting in that way. And then, yeah, it turned into this, like we've completely changed where forget about the ordinary things. Like Instagram is this place to show, like, look at me. I'm this like incredible, extraordinary human being who either is an expert in something or I'm super adventurous or whatever it may be. Yeah. And that's also a lot of pressure because then you're like, I have to do something exciting and big every week or it's going to look like I'm this boring ass person when it's like, yeah, maybe you did just work all week and stay in and read a book and watch TV. But it's like you're not going to take a picture of yourself watching Bravo's Below Deck. Like that would, like people would be like, why are you sharing this? Because we have set this context that this is not a place to just share your average day. I will say I am loving Gen Z coming back with the photo dumps. My sister just sent me one and it was literally like going on a walk, uh, a cookie, a piece of trash. I'm like, what the hell is this post? But I was like, I love this because it goes back to the Facebook days where you would just upload your whole photo album and it was random as hell. 400 pictures from your trip. (laughs) Yeah. And it was like, I'm just going to show you everything that happened. It makes no absolute sense. But we loved it because it painted the whole picture where, like you just said, we're we're extracting these these very um, isolated moments and making it seem like that's our day to day. Right. And then obviously there's the problem with, you know, people who are creating moments that wouldn't naturally happen. So we're going out in the world and just pretending to do things so that we can put it on the world wide web. Yeah. And that's also, again, it's like, what is the intention? And that's what got me in this weird headspace with Instagram where I'm like, I I don't remember feeling this weird about posting before until the last three months. And it really did happen when I went on my trip that I've talked about multiple times where I deleted Instagram because I needed to prove to myself that my business is not going to go under. I don't need to think of every single walking moment to be photographed And I noticed before we even got on the trip, I was looking at cafes and stuff. And I'm like, oh, that would be a cute picture if I like put on my sunglasses and like have a cappuccino next to me. And then, okay, if I like walk around and look back behind my shoulder, I was like, what are you doing? Like, you should be going to France, immersing yourself in the culture, talking to people, eating the food, not thinking about how fucking picture is going to look. And I was like, this has gone too far. Like, I need to delete this app. I mean, I think that if anyone, not anyone, but most of us have to sit and reflect and be like, you know, that has, I've done that. That's happened to me because I mean, we do that all the time. And that's part of, that's like that to your point, it's like, we're missing it completely (laughs) to go somewhere and picturing ourselves and how the picture would look and then how people would react to it on social media versus just being open to going somewhere, exploring, and then seeing what happens right it's so funny because also too you never know what's going on behind those pictures like I need to do a full hero trip recap but I'm like that was a very stressful trip like I was traveling with my family we didn't have anything planned everything was getting canceled but if you were to just look at if I were to take the 
cappuccino sipping by the you know Eiffel Tower you the essence that gives off is wow she's relaxed well-traveled chilling enjoying France and it's like no I probably had my mom like yelling at me like come on we gotta get somewhere and it's like you don't see that you're not seeing that whole picture which I think people would rather see since we're so like overwhelmed by all of this other thing it's refreshing when you do see something like that Well, and that brings me to another point that I was thinking about last night, because as you guys can probably hear from this conversation, I don't know that I have a solid answer on how I'm using the app, but I was also thinking I appreciate when people are more vulnerable and open up, but then it, then it also turns the opposite way. Like now the (laughs) pendulum is swinging the other way where people are like, I need to share every life moment. I need to make sure that I can turn this into a lesson. I need to open up more. And then it's a lot of pressure to be like, am I sharing enough lessons? Like, are people understanding that I'm a vulnerable person? And you feel like I have to keep up this identity of always sharing and keeping up the inspirational life lessons. Right. Yeah, I've been guilty of that, too. I think for me, the answer or the one of the answers is like with a lot of things, just identifying what the boundaries need to be with any of those things, because we don't have to be like extreme where it's just like. I'm not going to, I'm just going to throw it away completely. Or for some people, maybe that is your boundary. You just don't want to be engaged with it at all. But I think, you know, everyone's going to have different ones, but setting some clear boundaries on what we want to get out of it, um, how that looks, and then obviously having to like stick to them, which is maybe the hardest part. (laughs) 100%. And we need to go back to the why. I think that's what we've all aside on. Why are we on here? And I thought about this earlier. I was like, well, why did I download the app, whatever, 10 years ago? And what was I doing? Yeah, it was literally just showing where I was going, what I was doing and eating. Now, because it has turned into so many, you can use it for so many different things. You could just be sharing your life. You could be marketing your business. You could be using it as a way to funnel in clients. You could. There are so many different uses. And I think for me, it got so confusing. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm using it for anymore. Like, is it truly business or is it to share my life? And that's what made this disconnect where I felt uncomfortable posting because it's like, there's no clear purpose of me posting. I feel like I'm just posting to stay quote unquote relevant on this app, but for who and why and what (laughs) it's like, that doesn't make any sense. So for me, I will say what I'm doing to reframe my relationship to it is one, not making it my priority platform. That used to be my priority. Like I would wake up, get back to everyone in DMS. What am I posting? What reels do I have to make? Like, just so obsessed with the content that I would be doing that week. And I'm like, the lifespan of that content does not even compare to my emails and podcasts. And by the way, I I feel like I'm a better writer and speaker. So why am I putting all my energy into graphic design and video stuff when that's not my forte? So I also looked at the evidence of where do I get my clients? And we talked about this, like, a lot of stuff we do might not actually come from Instagram. And I noticed a lot of people find me through podcasting and through emails and guest speaking. So I was like, I need to use that data and put my energy into those things. So now I'm treating Instagram as my third priority platform, meaning my podcast comes first, my emails come second, and my Instagram will come third. And I'm just taking what I do in podcasting and emails and taking that content and putting it on Instagram versus thinking of Instagram as a separate entity that I have to create the most grand messaging of all time. It's like, no, what I'm talking about today You'll see it on Instagram because I'll take pieces of it and turn it into graphics or quotes or a message. But that has been a really big reframe for me. And I've helped a lot of clients do this. And they're like, it seems so simple, but it it really is helpful when you don't think every day, wow, I have to take on Instagram as the first part of my day. Right. And that's because that that's everyone will have you believe, obviously, Instagram mostly, that you have to be on Instagram in order to have a successful business. Like if you tell someone, yeah, I'm really not going to put, they're like, how are you going to grow your business? Like what? They're just like shocked. They can't imagine that. And it's funny because a lot of the times when people say that, or when you look at data, a lot of people aren't making business from Instagram. Some people are, of course, sure. But a lot of people, that's like, based off of how much money and time they're spending on Instagram and then how much business they're getting from it, there's not a lot of profit there. <laughs> right. And again, we need to look at the facts here. The The lifespan of your content is really short. A story is 24 hours. When someone just quickly scrolls back, you know, past the beautiful graphic you made, maybe they'll click it and they'll read it for what, not even five minutes. Keep scrolling. 
Now let's think about the lifespan of a podcast. What you just said earlier, you can go back and listen to it. I listened to episodes from like six months ago on some podcasts, meaning the lifespan of that podcast is six plus months. Emails, I will take the time to open it and read it if I'm genuinely interested in it. And I will be like, this is interesting. Let me click on their website. Let me see what's going on. So when you actually drill down the facts, I know there's going to be some people that are like, Instagram is how I get all my business. And that's amazing. But if you're someone like me that you were feeling disconnected and you're like, is this even really moving the needle? Go look at your data and it might not actually be. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, we take everything with a grain of salt and like some, you know, obviously it works for some people. Otherwise the program wouldn't exist. Right. So it does. There's always going to be people that it's super successful for. But then there's a lot of us where it isn't. And again, we then think we're problematic or we're the problem or we're not doing it right or we're not using it right. And so then we invest more and more time when it's possible that it's just not for us and it's not a way that works for what we're trying to do. Yeah. The boundaries thing is so important. Like you said, I actually have been trying something where I deleted it off my phone and I just check it on my laptop because there are people that will message me and I want to talk to them or it's a client or I just want to DM someone. So it's not like I'm deactivating my account, but obviously when I go on my laptop, scrolling is a much different experience than on my phone (laughs) and like tapping stories. It's just weird. It's just a whole different ballgame on my laptop and it actually makes it hard to be addicted. It's not seamless. It's very chunky. No, it's, it's yeah, like, yeah. okay, this is weird. I'm going to get off. <laughs> exactly. And I was going to say, if any of you have read Atomic Habits, James Clear says when you're trying to break a habit, make right. it unattractive, right. like very hard to do. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, it's yeah. annoying to be on Instagram on my laptop. So I do have it on there because I can DM people back. Right. I, you can even actually post from your desktop, but it's just not the same habit of scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. And maybe set timers. Like, reverse psychology a little bit if you're someone that loves stalking people be like okay i'm giving myself 15 minutes to go nuts and just stalk as many people as i can in 15 minutes but then i'm done then i'm putting it away um there has to be boundaries because i think we all beat ourselves up a lot for being like well i should have the willpower to be able to just put the phone down and go read a book or go take a walk and this is why i like like the social network because there are developers on that documentary that are like guys we are geniuses that made this software to keep you addicted like this wasn't an accident exactly like we designed it so you would stay on as long as possible right so it's not like you don't have the willpower it's like no you're not beating genius level software developers that have actually coded dopamine hits into this whole thing and again i know some people hearing this are going to be like it's not that serious. Like, it's not that big of a deal. I can figure this out. Great. For me, I was like, this is becoming debilitating to like every morning figure out what am I going to go on Instagram or am I not? And I'm like, this should be how I feel about a freaking app on my phone. Well, that's like, and maybe that's the distinction. It's like, if if you're someone who doesn't feel great when you interact with your Instagram, then there's something in there to take pause. And if you are someone who interacts with Instagram and you feel like a million bucks, every time you're you're on there, you turn it off and you're like, man, I have all this energy, then you know something we don't. And that's amazing. There's no shade. That's great. But yeah, this conversation is for people who are feeling like a weird energy. They're not feeling great when they get on it. They are trying to maybe operate in a new way. But if you're on Instagram and you're like, that's my shit. I love it. I love interacting with people. It's like, go do your thing. Um, I think another tip that might help people too is it seems so obvious, but unfollowing or flooding your account with new imagery or images that would feel energizing. So for me, when I was going through, you know, building my business, I followed a billion coaches and it always made me feel behind. I was like, I need to do it her way. I need to launch a program like that. I need to do this. And I was like, this is exhausting. So I basically unfollowed or muted all the coaches that I follow. And now I'm starting to flood my account with travel images that are just exciting to me. Right. Yeah. And I think another tip that sounds so obvious, but is underrated is evaluate who you're following and do they make you feel good or not? And you've heard that before and you're like, duh, I, I know that. But I think oftentimes we're scared to mute or unfollow people that we've interacted with or we were in their program or we went to school with them or they're an old coworker. 
But if they're making you feel bad just because you're like, I always see them posting the most beautiful pictures. I feel like I'm not doing things right when I look at their content. Mute them. I think there's this weird idea that they're going to notice that they mute. you got muted. I'm like, guys, no, we are too self-absorbed to notice right. out of all of our followers who's muting and engaging with us. We're just seeing, did we get likes? Did we get comments? Did people interact with this? We're not like, you know, Serene hasn't checked in in six weeks. I need to follow up with her and see why she's right. not been in my inbox. Unless it's your literal best fucking friend that you talk to every day on Instagram. It's like, that's not a thing. That's truly not reality. I've actually heard people say that. I'm scared that that person's going to see that I muted or unfollowed. And it's like, then they should do some self-reflection too of, oh, maybe the content I'm posting just wasn't for that person and that's okay. This idea that you like have to follow somebody because you have some relationship, again, coworker or old friend or whatever. It's like, why? <laughs> There's no rules. No, yeah. It, again, it's like that's the goes back to the whole thing of boundaries. We have to have boundaries for ourselves. We have to be clear on like, and it doesn't make you a bad person. Deciding for yourself what is working and what isn't working is like super important. And we can't feel bad about that. It's really hard, but and listen, if you're like, okay, that sounds like too much. I do not want to go in and unfollow and mute people. Flood your account with new imagery. I actually follow hashtags instead of like going to find accounts. I'll follow hashtags like hashtag travel, hashtag ocean, hashtag sunset. So that things are in my feed that when I open it, it's not like a coaching program or something that makes me feel like behind. It's I'm getting images of things that actually make me excited. Again, it sounds so silly and underrated, but it is so helpful when you can open your app and be like, whew, I'm not bombarded with like a hundred things that trigger me. Little things, little, little shifts, if you will. I want to wrap up with, you know, how do you plan to use it if ever in the future for your business? And if you're not going to be on it, how do you see yourself, um, you know, growing your business or scaling or even just, you know, running your business without social? Um. So... I think that what I decided for myself is I'm going to use it more as like a bulletin board. And so just a place where I can kind of put information. Um, I don't think I'm like, you know, I don't want to write anything in stone yet. I don't necessarily think I want to deal with responding to people's comments. I don't want to use it for a place where there's an expectation that I'm going to engage with people. Um, not because I don't want to, but just because I want to engage with people in a different space where I think it actually is safe. Um, and I think the other thing, too, is I feel more comfortable now than I did before with kind of slowly growing. And so I think a lot of the times with Instagram, it's like based on this idea of us wanting to just blow up and then like going viral. Like that's such a that's very much a thing on social media. And I don't want to do that. I just want <laughs> I want something that feels progressively gets better. And it's something that I can maintain and I wanted, I still want to be intimate. Like that's so much of the work and what inspires me and what I'm excited about is actually getting to like know the people that I work with. And so that doesn't really exist because there's so many people for, in my opinion, on social media where that all gets lost. And so I'm happy to, you know, let go of that and trade it for something that's smaller, more intimate, and then just scale slowly over time baby steps we love nervous system regulation around yes. here i'm like i always tell my clients i'm like you do not want to go viral like you're gonna just put so much pressure on yourself to cre keep creating viral content are you ready for the influx of leads or clients or dms it's like do you even have the infrastructures prepared to go viral that's something i think a lot of us the celebrity culture which we talked about too is like I am not important unless I am viral or have 100,000 followers and a blue check mark. And that's a false illusion on Instagram. So we're like, well, I will be more important when I get there. I need to put all my energy into going viral. But it's like, does your website even work? Are you ready for, again, like, do you have an, a way for people to work with you? Like, do you, are you ready? Because if it does happen, you want to be ready for when you go viral. And I think a lot of us don't realize, yeah, maybe I'm actually not ready. If I look at all my systems and how things are set up, I'm not ready to have 100 people DM me at once and have 14,000 clients like apply to work with me. It's it's sometimes like, let's build it slowly. You don't stay there. <laughs> so that's the other thing too. It's like, if you're, you know, if you really want to go viral, be ready for at some point to just completely get 
knocked off of that little position for the next person who goes viral. Right. Or be willing to dedicate 24 seven to like viral content creation, which when we have seen TikTokers have full on mental breakdowns because they went viral and they're like, it was so much pressure to keep up. It felt like I was constantly in a battle against myself. That's not a way to live. Like it's not constantly trying to beat yourself every day. Um, that's something to look at too, is like your stress levels and how you feel. I think that's what we're getting at is how do you feel with, when you interact with the app? And that will show you a lot of how you can reframe your relationship to it. Right. And I think too, with business, this is different than when you have an, ins- well, I don't know, it might not be, but certainly with a business, I also don't want to get kind of caught in the politics of like the, it feels like an ego game as well, where I feel like, okay, well, I'm not relevant, you know, and it becomes more about me. It goes back to that same idea of me being the hero. And we're like, we're human. And so I noticed that as well with myself, where it's like, our ego does kind of get in it. And we forget, like, why am I doing this? Like, what is the thing that actually brings me joy? And is it interacting with people and and getting to like, really work with them? Or is it me being positioned as this like, relevant, semi, you know, important person on the World Wide Web? I know. (laughs) It's not that for me. I know it is so hard because I know if anyone's listening that has taken a business course or program, we're sold like you need to constantly show your wins, show how you're an authority, a credibility, an expert. Yes, I agree to that to some extent, right? I'm not going to work with someone who doesn't know what they're doing. But at the same time, we're talking about highlighting your client's experiences more because your client is us. Like we relate more to your client than we relate to the coach. A lot of times we put coaches or whoever we're signing up with on pedestals And it's like, that person is so far ahead of me. I want to see someone next to me. So that's, I know it's a hard switch because you're like, I need to be showing all my accolades all the time. But I think we need to take a step back. And again, it all goes back to the beginning, make other people the hero. Right. And that's, and those are the accolades. (laughs) That's the point. It's like the success of your business is the success of the people that work with you. Those are the things that we want to highlight because that's the work, like not all this cool content that you've created for as beautiful as it is. It's like the real win is all the people and how it's been for them who engage with you. A hundred percent. So I feel like we've covered so much ground. We've gone to a lot of different places with our (laughs) thoughts. And I just want to wrap up with um, maybe like a piece of advice or a tip or something that you feel like, I know we've talked a little bit about what's helped us with with Instagram, but like, what is a boundary that you've set? Um, I think with me, kind of what you said before, I have, if I have a visceral reaction to something or someone or their content, I will either unfollow or I'll mute them. And it's just practicing those little things. Like, even we don't have to make a whole rule book for ourselves, but just something, one thing, maybe pick out one thing for yourself where you're like, okay, I'm going to follow this. And for me, it has made a tremendous difference. Love that. Mine recently is, yeah, they mute and unfollow, but again, flooding new images in my account. Like, Like, yeah, I'm going to Europe this summer. And so I'm like, I'm following all the hashtags, as many accounts as I can so that I'm excited and I'm not just looking at what other people are up to all the time. So give that a shot too and, and let us know what you think. But this has been such an incredible conversation. And I know you are not wanting to drive people directly to your business Instagram. (laughs) Usually people are like, find me on Instagram. So if people do want to get in contact with you or know a little bit more about your work, where would you direct them? You can go to my website, which is shiftfromshame.com. And um, I'm kind of getting gearing up to have another course in June. So you can find stuff on there amazing well thank you so much serene i'm so glad we had this conversation and let us know your thoughts everybody what do you think are you going to reframe your relationship to instagram how do you feel about it do you think you can run a successful business offline i am really interested to hear everyone's thoughts thank you so much serene i know a lot of people will find this valuable thank you and look forward to our working tomorrow yay (laughs) 